Big Red Revival. Welcome into the Big Red Revival podcast, episode 16. I'm your host, Taylor Goldenstein. As always, uh, with the quarterback, Zach Raby. How we doing? That that uh, intro music sounded pretty good, right? Yeah, finally uh, stepping the game up a little <laughs> bit. Uh, we're a man down today. Uh, Drew, Coach Drew, he's out. Uh, he's on the IR today. Uh, hopefully not that uh, coronavirus that seems to be uh, running rampant around here. But uh it, it is what it is, so it's a two-man show today. So you The know, show must go on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Next man up, right? <laughs> we <laughs> Which, know all about that. Yeah, Nebraska fans are going to know a lot about that coming up here. So, um, But uh, what's been going on, Zach, since the last time we left off? been about two weeks. What's uh, What's been happening around your end of the woods? Well, uh, it's been two weeks. There's been a lot happening in Husker, Husker Nation. Never um, a dull moment. Never a dull moment. Um, you know, Nebraska basketball continues to struggle. <laughs> Um, Nebraska baseball is in full swing and they're, uh, they're trying to kind of find their legs and get things going there. And, right. you know, they always kind of set themselves up for a, a tough early part of the year with the scheduling, but that's, it's going to be good for them in the end. Yeah. Um, other than that, you know, just trying to, to keep up with, uh, NBA. I think the, uh, the playoffs this year are going to be electric and got the masters coming up and the Yankees road to 28 starting soon. So yeah. uh, a lot of things happening. Well, what the Yankees got what half the team on the IR. Is that, is that right? Same song and dance. That's <laughs> what we went through last year, but we still had a hundred plus wins and you know, we'll find a way. We'll find a way. Yeah. I hear you. I mean, you know, on the Nebraska, Nebraska ball topic. I mean, yeah, they're, they're struggling, uh, but they're struggling for uh, Nebraska, Nebraska ball standards, which, yeah. you know, obviously Nebraska basketball is a, uh, historically one of the worst power five uh, basketball teams and some would say the worst power five historically basketball team with uh, no wins ever in the NCAA tournament. So, um, you know, I watched that game. Was it last, was that Saturday or something? It, it was last Sunday. You know, no. the, the, you know, the wonderful eight for 30 uh, free throw shooting game uh, just, you know, absolutely pathetic on, on all fronts. I mean, it just, it looks like a team that has no business playing D one college basketball and, I don't maybe three to four guys on the entire team look like they sh- they belong. Um, I don't know. I mean, what what was your take on that whole that whole game of the eight for thirty against Northwestern senior night? It's the one game that we thought that you know this is the one we can win. And uh, what would you think about that game? Um, it was not great. Um, <laughs> nothing went right for us, and it was the first game in a long time that they looked like they didn't really want to be out there. Right. Um, you know, for the mar- most part, all season they. You know, they gave great effort and then, you know, they've been doing everything they can with what little they have. And it was just uh, it was really hard to watch, especially, like you said, senior day, mm-hmm. you know, the last game at PBA for the season and against yep. a team that we should beat. But, um, yeah, I was I was at the gym this morning and, um, you know, I was walking past the basketball courts and I, I thought, <laughs> you know what, Can I'm going to go in there and I'm going to shoot 30 free throws <laughs> and see see what it's all about. And I don't play much anymore. And, you know, I. You know, it is what it is. But I, I got on the on the line and shot thirty of them, and I made twenty four of them. Twenty four. I mean, you know, that's one thing they say never leaves you. As a, a jumper, never leaves a yeah. man. So it's uh, if you ever have one, it never leaves you. So yeah, you know, it's the whole Nebraska basketball thing. It's like I try, you know, just a staple I have in my life is I try not to ever feel bad for uh, millionaires. I just don't. 
But I feel bad for Hoiberg. I mean, just he just he just stays so calm over there, and just that whole game. It's like, man, you you know, you have more than enough right to go ahead and go off and chew out every last one of these guys. I mean, just an absolute pathetic showing on the line. And it wasn't like, oh, you know, it's our center that you know is a little gangly and doesn't hit free throws. It's like it's the fucking point guard, the shooting guard, the small forward, power forward, center. It's like there's not one guy on the team on the team that is a uh, knockdown free throw shooter, not a three point shooter, the free throw shooter. You don't have one guy on your team that can knock down free throws, uh, you know, uh, consistently, consistently. Exactly. So it's just, I mean, I feel bad for him. It's like, does, did he know what he was getting himself into? I I don't know. And it's well documented. I'm a big Fred Hoiberg guy. I have been since he was at Iowa state, but I, I, I see the same thing. You know, it's, it's just like, when you look at him on the sidelines, it's like, what the hell did I get myself into here? But at the same time, um, you know, they, they beat this to death on every televised game that we have. And I'm starting to think that maybe they shouldn't televise this anymore. But honestly, um, that, you know, we have help, you know, on on the on the bench with transfers and things. And we have some recruits coming in. But right. You know, um, I'll believe that when I see it. And, you know, the unfortunate thing is today there was news that that came out that Cam Mack and Deshaun Burke. Are exactly. Now Why not? You're two, you're two top scorers. Why not? It's got to be like the sixth time that Cam Mack's been suspended this year. Yeah. And, and I do appreciate the fact that Hoiberg, you know, he he knows that it's going to be, you know, kind of detrimental to the the success of the team when when uh, Cam Mack's not in there. But yeah. he's not afraid to suspend, suspend him and, and set an example of, of what the uh, the culture needs to be in Nebraska. Yeah, I mean, you, you've you won seven games in the season. So what the fuck's the downside of uh, suspending somebody? Mm-hmm. It's like we, we lose, we get blown out with you. We can get blown out without you. Mm -hmm. You know, it is what it is. So, I mean, I I expect probably another roster flip heading into next season. Maybe, I don't know, four to five of these guys maybe carrying over to next season. I mean, you'd like to see – I'm not going to try to pronounce the name, but Dragon Duro, you know, you'd like to see – he's progressed well through the season. Obviously, Cam Mack is able to do some special things. Um, Deshaun Burke, you know, is a lightning rod, but he has no business starting. He's maybe a six man at I best. I think his eligibility is up too. No, he's a junior. So oh, he's gotcha. got one more. Yeah. So, um, but outside of that, I mean, it is easily on scholarship for, for the rest of his, uh, go around here at Nebraska. Or is it just a one season scholarship? I think it was just the one season. I thought, yeah, that's what I think too. I just wasn't, wasn't for sure. If it's but not, that's what it should be. Yeah. I mean, you know, you see, we got the transfer from Wisconsin coming in. Not sure what his eligibility is going to be, but, um, you know, this is kind of Hoiberg's game, you know, they transfer you. So, um, I expect to see another turnover in roster because these guys are, uh, historically bad and historically bad for Nebraska basketball is, um, you know, you're starting to talk about the all time worst D one basketball teams ever. <laughs> so yeah. of power five teams. Yeah, sure. Um, so it is what it is. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to watch. And then, you know, then the baseball team, gets going they you know play Baylor which is historically a decent baseball school or whatever and they jump out of them 19 nothing it's like our 19 to 9 9 was yeah. the final score it's like okay well maybe the baseball team will pick us up well then they went on to lose seven in a row after that and um what yesterday today though it looks like they've beat Columbia Friday night and then they're up on them right right now but mm-hmm. uh it's just a uh it's a historically bad decade and trend the last couple years for uh for nebraska men's athletics unfortunately yeah so i don't know i mean outside of you know the baseball and basketball team what uh what else you got going on 
Well, I mean, it seems like each year, you know, when football ends, there's uh, a certain level of depression that sits in because, right. you know, the sport we love has the longest off season of any other sport. It does. And so it's like, you know, you're you're up against it every time when February uh, comes around. But then you find yourself, you know, we have March Madness right right in the next couple of weeks mm-hmm. and the Masters is next next month and things like that are happening. But, um, no, it's... It, you know, there's a lot of things to look forward to, and spring ball. I mean, we yep. haven't even mentioned it's that right around the corner. That kicks off in a couple of days, so yep. you know, it's uh, it's going to get right back into things, and should be exciting. You know, speaking of football, you know, obviously right now the hot topic is uh, Tom Brady, and that's basically leading all sports centers, this, that, and third, and he's he's just you know eating it all up and feeding into all of it, and it's you know, I I mean, I'm a 49ers fan, you're a Cowboys fan, and those are two teams that have been heavily linked to. Uh, to Tom Brady, which to me, I know is to you, uh, also mind-blowing. Um, you know, I think that both of our teams have young quarterbacks that I certainly believe in. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, I have no idea why this guy gets so much heat. It's like this guy has a 24-5 and five, uh, record as a starting quarterback, and his first full season as a starting quarterback, he took his team to the Super Bowl and had the lead with six minutes to go in the Super Bowl. So I'm not sure why you would trade a 28-year-old uh, quarterback like that for a 43-year-old that had his worst statistical season of his career uh, last season and, you know, basically mortgage your future. But what's your thoughts on, you know, the whole Dak thing and maybe Brady come in? And what, what's your take on that Brady and the whole Cowboys? I think it might have just been a slow news day that day. Um, I think that <laughs> It's been a slow news day for the yeah. past fucking month with Brady. Uh, it seems like that rumor's kind of been put to bed, though, because yeah. uh, it sounds like the last couple of days the Cowboys offered Dak, I think it was 33 a year. Right. Um, and, you know, with with that, uh, that kind of offer going out, I, I don't see them pursuing Brady anymore. Right. And yeah. so I, I, I like that. I'm glad that we just got that out of the way. It's it's kind of in, in the... In the the backseat now and we don't have to worry about it but uh, i i'm like you though i i believe 100 in dak i think that he's got a good head on his shoulders he's a good quarterback right. and he's got the help around him to to take the cowboys to where they want to go yeah exactly and you know it maybe if we're talking about brady two three years ago it's like okay you know because i'm a firm believer and teams have a a three to four year window of where they can win the super bowl you know and it's like the 49ers just finished up their first year of that window so it's like if this is 39 year old tom brady it's like Okay, let's do it. But not to mention the 49ers team is all young guys. It's like mm-hmm. our the outside of Richard Sherman, all of our top players are all young guys. I mean, our defense line, uh, obviously Bosa, which I, you know, I think might be the best player in the league. Just guys, you know, guys a beast. I mean, like when I watched the Super Bowl, I was like, uh Patrick Mahomes wasn't the best player on the field. Like <laughs> Bosa was the best player on the field, you know. So I just firm believer, you don't, you know, you don't mortgage the future for uh with a young quarterback for a aging 43 year old that's uh you know had his worst statistical season so did you see that tweet that went out today about uh, patrick Mahomes? oh i just learned to read a defense six games ago it's like motherfucker <laughs> sh- shut the fuck up you know like i you know you know not to mention you know like i have came around to the chiefs you know because every nfl fan kind of has uh you know i have a obviously the 49ers are my team and then you can maybe have a team that you root for in the afc and it's like i, I had usually rooted for the steelers but Last couple of years since Mahomes got there, I was like, I like this guy. You know, I'm a root for the Chiefs. And then my 49ers matchup against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And, I mean, just Chiefs fans coming out of the oh, cracks yeah. of the cement. I mean, just <laughs> coming out of every last nook and cranny you could think of. And just a very low self-esteem fan base. And uh, 
you know, it just, it kind of turned me off to them and <laughs> Kansas City in general, but whatever. Yep. It is what it is, but it's just the whole Tom Brady thing. His best bet's to go to Nash or to Tennessee or to just stay in New, New England. Yeah, but I don't think they have a chance to win in New England. I think it is his best chance to win is going to Tennessee. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Still, if I'm him with the amount of success that he's had, I'm not going to jump ship. It's it's just it's weird when these legendary players right. switch to a just a random team right. um, at, at the end of their career, like Emmett Smith to the Cardinals right. or I don't know. There's there's a few others like Randy Moss ended up his, his last year in the NFL was with the Titans. Yeah, I mean, Jerry Rice is playing for Seattle and Oakland his yeah, last couple of years. It's not a like, good look. No, it's not. It's weird to see guys like that in other uniforms. Um, but whatever. It's I know I think him and basically Belichick are in a pissing contest like, oh, we've been winning because of me. No, we've been winning because yeah. me. And, you know, basically a Kobe Shaq type thing. Mm-hmm. Like I can win without you. I can win without you. So whatever. But, um, you know, also in the last two weeks, you know, uh, me and Drew um, went to, uh, you know, one of my um, uh, vices is uh, reality television. So I'm big into uh, reality television. Um, 90 Day Fiance is probably one of my favorite. Um, and then all Bravo shows. Uh, yeah, I'm a man, but I watch all the Bravo <laughs> shows. Uh, me and my wife love them. And so there's this podcast, uh, Watch What Crappens, which uh, basically discuss um, basically all the shows on Bravo. And my wife listens to it and Drew's wife listens to it. So they had a live taping of this podcast up in Omaha at the like the waiting room, I believe. So it's like, all right, let's go, you know, let's go check this out. And uh, holy shit, I mean, couldn't have been any less impressed about what these guys, I mean, basically this whole guy's thing was like, I'm just going to have this weird voice, like, and that's my whole, like, scheme, like, oh, Carl, what do you mean, Carl, why are you wearing short shorts? And just, I mean, just these two dudes were just absolutely pathetic. And then, so there's, I don't know, maybe a hundred people there, and they're like, Hey guys, uh, we're trying to record a podcast up there, up here. So if you guys can be quiet and just like, you know, people were even being loud and they're just complete pieces of shit. The show sucked. I hated every single minute of it. I ended up walking out 30 minutes into it. Um, but it's like, you're, you're doing a live podcast with a hundred people sitting around you. What the fuck did you expect? I mean, it just, everybody just, shh, it, it just, I don't know. Watch what crap ends. Those two guys, I hate you. And, uh, wishing nothing but failures for the rest of your podcasting career. So, um, but it is what it is. I don't know. I just, I mean, do you know, you watch any Bravo or lady doesn't make you watch that? No, I have no input on this category. Oh my God. <laughs> well, I mean, at minimum you need to get into 90 day fiance. Cause that is uh, an elite show. <laughs> it's an elite show. So, but uh, you know, let's, we got through the, you know, the small talk here. Let's uh, let's go ahead and jump into, uh, you know, talking about Nebraska football. Uh, also, today's podcast uh, episode is spot- sponsored by Blue Pelican Pools. Uh, your pool isn't truly blue until it's Blue Pel- Pelican Blue. Uh, so reach out to those guys for all your uh, cleaning and uh, service uh, needs for your pool. So uh, our dad reading. Yeah, our first, uh, first sponsor. So shout out to uh, Blue Pelican. We appreciate your guys' support. So, um, But, you know, let's jump into it now. Um, so the big thing in the last two weeks that happened was uh, – Kurt Warner uh, and his uh, Twitter activity. Um, I'm sure most of Husker Nation saw his tweet. And uh, for everybody that doesn't know, that was that was uh, me. <laughs> that uh, that uh, got him on the uh, Nebraska subject. So uh, for those that of you that don't know, Kurt Warner basically tweeted out, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but uh, 
that, uh, you know, all these quarterback gurus and all these quarterback experts and, you know, nobody wants to reach out to me and, uh, you know, ask for my advice or help. You know, I'm here. Uh, I just don't know why no one wants to ask for my help on anything. And I, you know, just, I mean, kind of sulking a little bit, but, you know, I was like, Hey, uh, I'm sure there's some guys uh, getting ready to throw your boy the ball next year. That wouldn't mind hearing from you, AKA, you know, the quarterbacks here at Nebraska, you, uh, getting ready to throw uh, his son the ball here. And, um, you know, he replied back, uh, trust me, I've tried. And which set off a, uh, a firestorm of events, uh, let all the uh, Omaha sports talk shows, not sure about Lincoln. I don't, get to dabble too much in the Lincoln sports talk, but Sharp and our uh, uh, Benning Severe, the Gary Sharp show, uh, Unsportsmanlike Conduct, Husker Max, everybody, uh, it just kind of took off like wildfire. And I think there was a lot of different opinions on how to read into that. Um, I know me and Zach had different opinions on how how to read into it because that's all, that's all there was, was uh, just kind of guessing what – what you think of what he was trying to say. So Zach, what did you initially think when you first saw, saw this? I mean, if he was trying to stir the pot, uh, it worked um, <laughs> here in the state, but Consider it stirred. Um, I, I just want to start by saying I do, I do love Kurt Warner. Right. Uh, he's a good person, respect him as a quarterback. Yep. Um, but I will say that to me, it came off as very whiny and desperate yep. um, by going to a large platform such as Twitter to, to complain about not being included in, I mean, quarterback games is what it seems like to me. But yeah, I mean, he's an analyst for the NFL Network, mm-hmm. Hall of Fame quarterback, Super Bowl winning quarterback, and right. a highly touted or highly respected uh, person in the football community. Um, I just don't. Again, I don't see why he needs to go to Twitter to offer his assistance. I mean, he has the resources and he has the platform right. to be a quote unquote QB guru if he wants to. Um, you know, and dude, just start a quarterback camp in the right. St. Louis area. I yeah. mean, are you telling me that that wouldn't just take off from day one? Yeah. Put your name out there. I mean, there's going to be, I mean, St. Louis and then not too far as and Kansas City, that, that's a pretty big recruiting hotbed. And a lot of talent comes from that area that he could start seeing, um, you know, some traffic from from local quarterbacks right. and that could grow into something. And, you know, to me, it would, it would just be, it would be one thing if Kurt Warner was beating down Nebraska's door to, to, to help out here. Um, but I don't think that was the case. I think maybe he made a phone call or sent an email or something and maybe yeah. it just got overlooked, but I don't know. It it just seemed very, very, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, whiny as fuck. Whiny as fuck and, <laughs> and, you know, just whatever. But I don't know. And the thing is, Husker quarterbacks haven't always had the best luck with working with quarterback coaches or quarterback gurus in the past. And so I can see why we may kind of look the other way, but I don't know. There's a lot of ifs and, you know, what ifs and things like that. So that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. I mean, it just, it's all, you know, everything's a context and it's like, you don't know what, what he actually said it was just just like was he at a practice whatever and you know talk to frost or verdusco like hey you know ever need ever need any help or uh, advice or want to talk to guys you know let me know i'm here you know it could be something simple like that where they just kind of took it you know with a grain of salt like oh you know you know thank you appreciate it mm-hmm. um i guess initially my first my first thoughts were that um that the nebraska coaches um i went direct opposite as you my my first thought was that <laughs> nebraska coaches um, like being the smartest guy in the room, um, which I, 
I still feel like that's not to say that this that's what he meant by this, that he, you know, really reached out and they just said, no, we're good. Um, but it's I think that Frost has surrounded himself but by a bunch of yes men. And, you know, I don't know if it was a Frost thing or Verdusco, but um, I know our guys used to go to the uh, Manning Passing Academy mm-hmm. under Riley and I think under uh, Pliny, too. Um, they went there, but um, it just it just didn't seem right, you know, especially with uh, quarterback coming off a, uh, you know, a sophomore slump uh, to uh, a young quarterback in McCaffrey and Vedral that, uh, you know, don't really have any starts or any, you know, anything real to uh, hang their hat on. So I just think any help from an outside Hall of Fame NFL quarterback who obviously has some skin in the game because obviously his son plays on the team and his son's probably going to be our uh, you know, number one receiver here, uh, potentially heading into the season. So it's not like he's just some guy throwing out, uh, yeah, I'll help you if you want. It's like he has some skin in the game. His son plays for us. His son's the quarterback. So uh, obviously he has Nebraska's football's best interest at heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it just – and it sounds like, you know, from hearing the uh, guys that are in the know, the Sharp and Benny and all mm-hmm. those guys, um, that, that Verdusco doesn't want any outside help um, on his quarterbacks. He wants just one voice, one, one message. Um, what's, what's your thought on, on that? I've got an opinion on it, but what's your thought on just, you know, we want one, one voice, one thought, one, one person talking to our quarterbacks. What's your thought on that? Yeah. I mean, I heard the same thing about coach Purdue. Not, he's not ever been crazy about outside coaching, but I can see it from both sides really. I mean, you know, on one side as a coach, you have your coaching points and methods and you want those and you want those messages to remain consistent. Yep. Um, but you know, on the other side, what would it really hurt at this point to exactly. to have a renowned former quarterback speak to your a guys? Hall of Fame, yeah, exactly. Quarterback, a Hall of Famer, offer up some you know real coaching or learning um, points that you know may prove to be beneficial for the development of, of the quarterback room. And right, the thing I something that kind of has rubbed me the wrong way about this is if you, if you let this happen. Does it open the door for every other NFL or big time football connection in the future? I mean, Ed McCaffrey, are we going to let him come in and talk to our receivers? Christian McCaffrey, I, I would take him actually. But yeah, yeah, Christian McCaffrey would be really sweet. I don't yeah. know. It just, it's, there's a fine line and we're, I feel like we've just taken a side and we're just going to roll with it. And, right. and I mean, that part I can respect, but you know, if we're not, I mean, we're not Alabama. We're not Clemson. We're not these big time schools. You know, it wouldn't yeah. probably hurt to have outside outside coaching, yeah. but you know, you you got to really be on one side or the other. And I feel like they just made their their decision and they're going to roll with it. Yeah, I just I I don't know. I I'm a little cynical on the whole thing. It's like you know Mario Verduzco. It's like um, you know what 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 in your what on your resume has told you that you don't need any outside help on quarterbacks what what have you done who is under your tutelage that has become a star quarterback or you know who 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 are you hanging your hat on it's like oh this is my resume and, you know i just went back to just look at verdusco's resume and it's um you know it's 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 dog shit i mean this is you know i'll get into the whole coach staff's resume here a little bit later but i mean verdusco before uh you know he got put on by Scott Frost at UCF. I mean, this guy was at Missouri State for a year, Northern Iowa, um, De Anza College, De Anza, 
um, as the quarterback coach there, San Jose State, as a grad assist. I mean, his resume doesn't tell you anything that you should, shouldn't be accepting outside help. It's like a Hall of Fame quarterback is offering his help, and you're too good because your resume says absolutely nothing. Your resume says absolutely nothing. Um, you know, it's basically uh, Scott Frost put me on, and that's that's it. It's it's crazy. So I just think any help from especially a Hall of Fame quarterback that, not to mention, has had his ups and downs. I mean, this guy went from being uh, playing at Northern Iowa, I believe, right, and then he was bagging groceries at Hy-Vee, uh, you know, to the Iowa Barnstormers in the Arena League, um, and then to all the way to an MVP, and then down again once when he, uh, you know, when he left the Rams and went to, he was Eli Manning's backup in New York and thought his career was over. And then another revival in Arizona had a nice little run there. So it's like, you know, what, what could it hurt? That's, that's the main point. Mm-hmm. What could it hurt? And it just, I don't know. It just, it, it just furthers my opinion on the whole coaching staff and what their mindset is. And I hate their mindset. I hate their mindset. It's just, um, you know, we know what we're doing. It works. And it just, there's nothing, that says it does. Okay. You guys have been a coaching staff for four total seasons as a coaching staff together. And you have, and you have three out of four losing seasons. So this stuff like, Oh, we know what we do works. It's like, no, it, no, it doesn't. That that's the numbers don't say it works. It doesn't say that you caught lightning in a bottle in a season. And that was great. Awesome. But Three out of four losing seasons is what the what your record says. And what's the old – who's – was it Bill Parcells? You are what your record says you are. And right now your record says you guys as a coaching staff are losers. Okay? That's that's You have a well below 500 coaching record. Okay? So, you know, just maybe trying to take in some outside tutelage couldn't hurt. It's – I mean, it could help, and it certainly, certainly couldn't hurt. Yeah. I mean, do you think there's any chance, though, that – Maybe he didn't actually reach out. And and so this all comes to fruition and Frost is sitting in his office and he's probably listening to these shows. Maybe not. Hopefully yeah. not. Um, and <laughs> Shout out Frost. <laughs> and he, he's just sitting there like, like what the hell are they the talking fuck? about? The, who? Kurt? You know? Yeah. I mean, do you think there's any chance that maybe this is just all Warner possibly blowing smoke? And I, just think, feeling far- I think sorry it's for a, definitely a 50-50 chance. Yeah. I, I think it could be something like, hey, hey, Scott, nice to meet you. Hey, if you ever need anything, let me know. Yeah. Like, it, it could, could be, be something, it it could could be be. something yeah. as simple as that, which yeah. is absolutely nothing at all. Which, I mean, if you're false, you're taking that with a grain of salt, obviously. Okay, yeah, yeah I mean, I'll let you Appreciate know, I guess. Yeah. Like, sure. But so it's like you really don't know yeah. exactly what, how it was said or what he did to reach out. But um it like i said it's it was a, a big topic for yep. you know husker football for two to three days because you know because it's, it's off it season. yeah it's off season <laughs> so it's like you know this is uh leading leading all uh the sports talk shows so whatever i mean so that happens and it's like okay slow couple days and then uh you know right before spring uh spring ball is about to start uh we get the uh the wonderful news uh, that uh jd spillman has uh decided to take a uh what, a leave, a leave, leave of absence, um, a leave of absence from the team. You know, they, the official thing said, you know, he's just taking off spring, which, and, you know, in the scheme of things, isn't a big deal because he has, he has taken off two of the three springs he's been here um, and not participated. So due to injury or whatever per, it else. It says personal issue too. So, yeah. you know, if it's something, you know, family wise, we wish him the best, obviously, right. but. You never know, and we're probably not going to get told. Yeah, we're we definitely we don't get told about any of this. <laughs> we're stuff. definitely like, not going to ever. We're going to be out. in the dark for yeah. the, uh, on this for a long time. Exactly, so. it's definitely an in-house thing. So, 
Uh, it just, but you know, there's obviously been these rumors all the way. Da- I mean, dating back to last season about JD. And I think um, maybe, you know, one of our last podcasts of the season of last season, uh, you know, I said, I was like, I don't see him coming back. And it, I, you know, people are thinking he's transferring to Minnesota. It's like, he has to sit out a year. He's been here for four years, he but, but he hasn't graduated. Yeah. So it's like, you got to sit out a year. I don't think that he's going to transfer to another school. I think that. Um, to me, this is totally just my opinion. What I see and what I, a little bit of what I've heard is he, he doesn't love football. He's uh, football is something that he is very good at, but it's not his passion or even in his top 10 of passions. It's something that he's good at and, you know, enjoys, he doesn't obviously hate it, but, uh, it's, it's not his passion. And, you know, it's, there's been a lot of turnover was this is his third coaching staff. He was recruited by, um, Pelini's team uh, and then was under Riley mm-hmm. and now Frost. So it's, uh, you know, he's seen a lot. And then, you know, not to mention, I don't know if it has anything to do with it, but now your wide receivers coach is fired. Um, so what, what's your take on the whole JD thing? Do you, do you think he's coming back or it is what they say? He's just taking the spring off to go back home, get his mind right. And he'll be back in the summer. I don't know. I'm really torn on it. I mean, I thought, we got this far in the off season that no news was good news and we were, right. we were set and he was coming back and everything was good. And now, you know, he's, he kind of throws us this curveball this week and it's just been kind of a, you know, what the hell is going on type right. of type of week. And, you know, in addition to him, we, we have McQuitty leaving, right. Retiring from football. <laughs> um, good career, man, I guess, but yeah. um, you know, wish him the best too, but I don't know, JD, it, it hurts a lot, you know, yep. because he's, He's the longstanding top guy in the in the receiver room, um, and like you said, you know, it might be a, a matter of him just not even liking the game of, or loving the game of football right. because you know you you look at it and he's you know a record breaking receiver. He yep. came in as a junior year, clearly the leader of that wide receiver room, and Adrian Martinez is a captain and he's not right. So you got to look at it like that. Do do his do his teammates respect him? Do uh, do I mean what's really going on behind the scenes that that allowed this all to take place? And so, you know, I, I'm I'm really really torn on it. I really obviously hope that he comes back and and uh, is gracing us with his talent for next year because we definitely need it. But at the same time, I could see it going the other way, and maybe he maybe he wants to get back into lacrosse. Apparently, he was a really good lacrosse. Yeah, player. he was a lacrosse player. And then uh, I've heard that uh, he's into music, uh, producing music. So you know, I mean, it's me too recently. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. So, it, you know, it's exactly I, you know, I live with a couple of football players in college and I will tell you that uh, just from what I've seen and heard, you know, about 80 percent of the football team actually is passionate about mm-hmm. football. You know, everybody else is playing because they're either good or it's providing them, you know, a lifestyle. Or So you just got to understand that, you know, it, football may be a lot of Nebraska people's top priority, but, you know, for all these kids on the team and uh, it's football maybe not their passion may not be their top top priority and you know just the guy's given us all he's got he gave us four years probably shouldn't have redshirted his uh his freshman year um but it is what it is but you know coupled that with the uh, McQuitty uh retiring Darren Darian Chase uh transferring back to to Seattle to whatever school around his hometown um it kind of puts you know us in a predicament of what we thought was going to be a strong suit for us you know they the S and P came out and then said Nebraska had the highest returning production from last year's team. I think it was ninety three percent of production coming back. Um, obviously, uh, takes a takes takes a major major hit with uh, JD. Uh, you know, 
departure. We're just going to call it a departure and, you know, until hope for the best. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Hope, you know, plan for the worst. I hope for the best. So, vacation. Yes, exactly. We'll take that. So do you think it could possibly have anything to do with, uh, you know, a new offensive coordinator slash uh, receivers coach? You think the, cause you know, since we've uh, got the new OC wide receivers coach, we've had three um, scholarship players quit, retire or transfer. What are your thoughts on that possibly being being some uh, I, an aspect of it? I don't see that as the underlying issue necessarily. I think um, you know we these are these are kind of crazy circumstances. But Darian Ch- Chase left because of mental health, right? And, you know, obviously wish him the best there. And yep. McQuitty retiring from football because of injuries. So yeah. you know that's never what a player wants to do. And you know, as it seems like he stuck it out, you know, for a while without seeing playing time. So yep. he was you know, fairly highly touted coming in here. Yeah, four-star. Never really just – never really – You just see – just never, never really, really turned the corner. Yeah, <laughs> never really clicked there. And then J.D. Spielman, I mean, th- there was, you know, rumors going around for, you know, the last Boy, six months. practice. Yeah, six months yeah. or so yeah. where, you know, this wasn't necessarily a shock to anyone. Right. But, you know, it's not what anyone wanted to see at the same time. So – I don't know that I would necessarily – I don't think I would put it on the new coach coming in and, and running these guys out. I, I think it's just kind of the sign of the new times yeah. with players, you know, seeing just, you know, a little hint of adversity and kind of just taking taking their ball and going home. And, yep. you know, I mean, for these three examples, you know, it sounds like it's, it's something potentially beyond football that, right. you know, it's out of their control. But, um, you know – It is what it is. It, it, it's it's tough to see, and you know we obviously wish the, them the best and, and hope that hope that they would have stayed and contributed. But you know we again, like we said earlier, you know the next man up, we got to keep yeah. keep the show going on and and so and with, with the punches with uh, four scholarships heading into spring ball. I mean that obviously gives a lot of people opportunity to uh, step up and make a name for themselves. Um, you know it's and two of the scholarship guys are going to be freshmen, so it's new guys. Obviously. Uh, Cade Warner is going to be probably – he's technically not a scholarship player, but uh, he basically is. So he's definitely going to be starting next year. Um, but it gives a lot of guys opportunity to step up. You know, there's um, – it kind of puts a little bit more onus on – do you think maybe that we see a couple guys switch positions? I'm looking at maybe Chris Hickman. Obviously, that's kind of been the name floated around. We saw him line up at receiver a lot um, – and not a lot, but uh, in the games that he did play last year, we saw him lining up at receiver. And, you know, that one also provides us some size. Uh, guys listed at 6'6". Mm-hmm. Um, and not to mention our tight end room is pretty deep uh, because we return all of our tight ends from last year. And then we add the Rutgers transfer. I can't, Vol- I can't, I can't uh, do it either. Vogel check. Um, yeah. And it sounds like this guy's going to be the starter. So, um, you know, does this maybe give us, you know – transfer or not transfer, but uh, have uh, Hickman come on over to the wide receiver room. And, you know, I think the guy, he doesn't, he's not a burner by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, I think he could work well in the slot, especially with the height. And then also now this kind of puts, well, do we see a little bit more of McCaffrey at wide receiver? You know, does this take away from uh, what people think is going to be a quarterback competition? And just for the people out there listening, uh, there's no quarterback competition. And if you think there should be, or is going to be, I question anything you know about football. Okay, so there's no quarterback competition. Adrian Martinez is the starter day one. He will be on a short leash, but he is the starter no matter what happens spring and fall. So everybody that's begging for a guy that threw 13 passes last year to uh, overtake him um, 
is just, you know, there's, you know, a little, go, ignorant, a little ignorant. It goes back to the old saying, there's no more popular guy on the team on a losing team yeah, than the backup, backup quarterback. Backup. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's been true for all of time mm-hmm. and it's going to stay true. Uh, I just, you know, people that say that it's like, oh, so the guy that threw, threw 13 passes last year, you know, we, he should be the guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's compare his freshman year to Adrian Martinez yeah, freshman seriously. year. Who, yeah, yeah, exactly. So no quarterback competition, but does this uh, maybe give McCaffrey and Hickman uh, chances to uh, transition, not transition all the way out to t- uh, wide receiver, but have them a couple more plays lined up at uh, wide receiver. What do you think? Yeah, I think both of these points I'm going to make, um, I would have said regardless of the departures from this week, yep. but uh, I, I expect to see Hickman as a, a permanent wide receiver. Absolutely. Um, and he's a little, he's, he's too narrow in the ass. Yeah, the guy is yeah. guys, two fifteen. all of our other tight ends. Yeah, sorry to cut you off there. Fucking are, you know, 6'5", 6'6", 270. And it's like, he's 215. So, you know, until he grows into his, uh, you know, full-grown uh, man body, um, <laughs> you know, it's he's because he, he's good enough to be on the field. So yep. that seems like the easy no-brainer, yeah, you know? it's easy. I mean, he – and it's a perfect opportunity for him and a perfect situation for him to transition because he's got the whole spring and the summer and the fall – or. Right. And not the fall, but hopefully the fall too. Uh, <laughs> fall to, ball, yeah. to make this seamless transition uh-huh. and you know, kind of uh, you know, figure things out from the outside as opposed to you know, as a tight end. And right. Um, and I think the uh, the arrival of of the guy from Rutgers, Travis V, is what I'm gonna yep. go with. Um, Travis V. I think that that'll make their decision to move Hickman over permanently a little easier. Yeah. Um, and then and then like you said, you know, we have Vedral as our backup. Mm-hmm. I would have said this before. I think that they're still gonna keep. McCaffrey is that almost a little bit of a hybrid. Yeah. At least I hope I do because I've been saying I think he should be used as a uh, Taysom, Hill. Taysom Hill type of uh, type of role. Yep. Um, and it you know when you're using a guy like that as a Taysom Hill type of role, plus you have the Duck R with Wandale. Right. It's it's going to have uh, defenses really confused, and so it it just seems like the the natural move um, on on the coaching staff's part. And then to to add on to what you were saying about the the tight end room too, it's. Mm-hmm. You know, we we have They're deep. We have a lot of depth here, and you know, we don't have a whole lot of produ- production, right? Um, returning, but <laughs> we have extremely capable tight ends, yes. in my opinion. And we just the coaches and the team need to find a way to get them get them the ball in a way that makes sense for their skill right. set. Yeah, I mean, we can't ha- we can't expect them to be beating anybody deep or you know going long crossing. Or we need we need the simple routes that are gonna gonna get them the ball and put put some pressure on those those smaller corners and safeties. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're telling me a, a, a little corner is going to be real thrilled about trying to tackle uh, uh, old boy. No, not us. No, the other, the uh, stole Jack stole, stole. Jack stole. Yeah. The guy's a beast. Yeah. I mean, the only time we threw him the ball was in the flats for, you know, a one to negative one yard gain. So that was, that was how we like to get him the ball. Yeah. So I think we just, we have to figure out a way to get them the ball that makes, or in a place that makes sense. Right. For their skill set, so they can, you know, produce at the highest level that their skill set right. will allow them to. Exactly. You know, I'm a huge fan of Austin Allen, the kid from uh, Aurora, six yep. eight. Uh, um, you know, and he was a basketball player, so it's not like he's some, you know, baby giraffe out there running, looking all gangly and shit. So um, I think that guy, it just he needs to be utilized more. I mean, we have a great tight end room, and you hear. Every single um, spring and summer going in the fall, it's like, oh, yeah, we, tight ends, they're going to be a big part of offense. And then, what, the first game of last year, uh, Stoll had that uh, 
what, 60 yard touch or it wasn't touchdown. He got ran down at like the two or three. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, we are going to use the Titans yep. this year. And that was the highlights. Mm-hmm. Game one, fucking series one was the highlight of the tight end room. These guys finished with less than, I think, 30 catches combined from the whole tight end room. So it's like the, the tight end room is too deep not to be utilized, especially now where we think that the wide receiver room is going to be a little thin. So it's like, here's, you know, here's time for 21 person or 21 personnel or 12 personnel, yeah. whatever you want to call it. One back, two tight ends. Well, um, and as a, as a Cowboys homer too, I mean, look at the way that the Cowboys used Jason Witten for the longest time. Right. That guy probably can't even run a sub six. Exactly. No, and the God. guy is just catches balls. And exactly. He's always open. I mean, there was I, I saw something. I think it was Romo's uh, retirement speech, where, um, or maybe it was his own retirement speech before he came back. But they talked about how he came in to uh, do a like a presentation mm-hmm. um, during during camp, summer camp, and yeah. um, they were just asked. Each tight end was asked to do a presentation on just a simple route. His last thirty minutes, and it was just a simple choice route, but. <laughs> That's when everyone kind of knew that, like, this guy knows what the hell he's talking about. Yeah. He's able to maximize his potential for what skill set he has. Right. And, you know, it's, it wouldn't be a bad idea to kind of take a look at someone like that and then just and then, you know, use that as a kind of motivation and a teaching point for our tight ends that we have today. Yeah. You know, initially, just with the JD news, I was like, uh, I was obviously very concerned. Um, but, you know, it's just like offensive wise, it, we return our whole offensive line. We turn our whole offense line, and then we add two guys, um, you know, that we think maybe could push. I mean, I don't, I don't think the Turner, Co- Turner Cochran is going to play this year, um, but um, you know, Bryce Benhart is seems to be the high name that everybody's talking yep. about taking over right tackle. Um, so we return whole offense line, uh, plus add in a couple highly touted freshmen, redshirt freshmen. So it's like you feel good about your offense line. Not to mention um, Cam Jurgens. Um, as for as much shit as I talked about him at the beginning of last season, this guy, this guy turned, turned it around. Um, I think by the end of his career, he's going to be a first team all American mm-hmm. and he's going to be the first center drafted whenever he comes out. This guy is, he's an athlete. He's an elite athlete. He's not a elite line. He's an elite athlete that mm-hmm. is playing offensive line. So I think that he's found his groove and I think we can expect nothing but greatness for, for him moving forward. So um, just with that whole aspect, then you so you have your whole line coming back. You have your three-year starting quarterback coming back. You have your running back coming back, and your whole tight end room. So it's like, okay, we you know what's not to feel good about, you know? And you you hope that your two receivers that you recruited, you know, uh, Manning and Betts, are able to uh, get eligible. I'm, I'm assuming that they're going to be, uh, you know, Blend, Blend College where um, Omar Manning's coming from. That's where Cam Newton went. So they're not exactly. Uh, um, you know, picky on the grades. Yeah. They're they're a football JUCO. So, so you're saying he's going to be eligible. <laughs> so exactly. And then you know, uh, bets. It's like, listen, man, you go to Omaha, you go to a Nebraska public school, you're going to get eligible, yeah. right? And if you don't, there's a really bigger issue. You know, yeah. it's like so. I I'm assuming that both those guys are going to be ready to go. Uh, you know, couple that with you know, Cade Warner. And you Alante know, Brown has been a, a buzz word, buzz name in, in Husker Nation. Lately yeah, too. that's been the guy that people are looking at. I mean, and then you have a couple of redshirt freshmen, Jamie Nance and uh, um, who's the other guy to Demarion Houston. Yep. yep. So, you know, it's like you just you just need one one of those guys to step up. You need Betts and Manning to be who we all think they are. And then it's like you're feeling good about your offense. You got a whole offense line back. You have a three year starting quarterback. I mean, just. 
I mean, I wanted to kick this to you because, Zach, obviously you played quarterback at college. You were a three-year starter. Tell us how much different playing quarterback year one in offense is as opposed to being a quarterback that is now his third year in the offense. What, kind of give me a, how, how it is, how much more comfortable you are from year one to year three when you've been the man for three years and you're the quarterback right now. How much more comfortable are you? Well, the first year, uh, you're definitely just mostly playing catch up. You know, you're trying to, you know, walk through each play and each route and right. each uh, scheme and whatever it might be. And, you know, really, uh, you know, you're in your head a lot yeah. uh, in the first year. And, it, you know, I will say that it didn't seem like Adrian Martinez was in his first year. But mm-hmm. um, and then you you transition into that second year and you have that you have that little extra swag and a little extra kind of. Uh, confidence because you got one year under your belt you're feeling good about the playbook you know and then at that point you you, you're kind of starting to just play football again and starting to really you know be comfortable with with uh you know seeing the defense and you know reading what's happening out there then the third year you almost feel like it's just a game again you know you're it's the plays and the and and the schemes and the and the reads are just second nature and you're out there you're, you're being an athlete and you're really just uh you know you're doing your thing and right um, you know, with that being said, I'm, I'm really, really excited about what we might see and hopefully do see from, from Martinez in third year, because, you know, he's, he's been around, you know, he right. was an early, he was an early enrollee when mm-hmm. he first got recruited. So this is, this is almost like three and a half years. Yeah. He's been, he's been with this coaching staff and with Frost. And so, you know, hopefully we get to see him go out there and really just be the athlete that he is and, right. and, and, you know, do his thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I am. I'm all aboard uh, the Adrian Martinez year three. I mean, I think that you know, last year, you know, I, year one, I thought he just went out there and played football. He's, you know, where where they say like, oh, he's too young to even know, you know, how big a situation. Understand is. the situation exactly. Yeah, and yeah. then so it's like year one, he just went out there and let it rip, and you know, young guy just doing his thing. And then year two. Well, shit, now I'm the third leading candidate for Heisman, and there's all these uh, expectations uh, laid on me. And I, I don't know if it was his decision or coaches, you know, the staff's decision to maybe pack. It looked like maybe an extra 20 pounds on him. Yeah. Um, but it just it just wasn't right from game one. You know, it wasn't right from South Alabama. And everybody could see it um, in the videos you're seeing now in the spring. It's like he already looks lighter. He mm-hmm. looks like he's about 10 to 15 pounds lighter. So I'm I'm all in and I expect a really, really big season out of Adrian Martinez. And, uh, you know. By the end of the season, we you know people asking what the hell were we thinking wanting yeah. McCaffrey to start. So I think Adrian Martinez is going to get back to who we all thought he was going to be, and uh, you know have a have a re-emergent year. So and in, in addition to that, just real quick is uh, you know having a, a three-year starting quarterback is essentially just having another coach on your coaching staff too. Right. I mean, the guy's a leader of the team. He understands the playbook, and he's gonna he's gonna lead others yeah. when when certain coaches can't. Yeah, and I we mean, have 150 walk-ups. And if you're looking at an offense, I mean, like I like I've already said, you have your all offense line coming back. It's like wide receiver. Those are you, I think if guys are just athletes, you can plug and play. Like, mm-hmm. hey, just go out here and be athletic. Yep. It's like the guys in the trenches, your center, your tackles that you want to be all locked up with your quarterback. So you return your center, your two tackles, your running back. Um, you know, running back's the quarterback's best friend and the center and the tackle. So it's like you return these guys. They know yep. what you're going to do. They know what to expect from from you, and you know what to expect from them. So it's like the wide receivers, it's like you guys just go out there and be athletes, you mm-hmm. know. So I think it's easier for a guy that hasn't played or a true freshman or whoever to step in and uh, step up and do a good role at, uh, at wide receiver. So 
it, you know, obviously the JD news kind of struck hard. And then once it started thinking about it a little more, it's like, okay, we still have all these pieces coming back. So it is what it is. It stings at first, but you right. learn to cope with it. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, you know, we talked about Darian Chase and you know, we had two kickers quit. Um, you know, the big one was Pickering, you know, that apparently, you know, let's say uh, from Cardell Jones, I didn't come here to play school. Yeah. Well, apparently he came here to play school. So um, <laughs> he, he he's uh, he's just done playing football and just going to go to school. You know, whatever. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, so the kind of, you know, this transfer transferring shit for me has kind of got um, out of whack for mm-hmm. me. It's just it's became a lot. And they're trying to think of ways to. Uh, to uh, just come up with a better solution to it. You know, just the, the one-time transfer-free rule. You can transfer one time without having to sit out. Um, what's your whole thing on transferring? Is it a generational thing? Or is it the now that people have been using the rule and seeing other people succeed? I mean, three of the four Heisman finalists this last year were transfers. So is it just things like that that you're seeing, oh, you can transfer and have success to other schools? Or it's, you know, millennials being, uh, you know, snowflakes. Well, um, if you uh, haven't seen our recent blog post yet, I uh, <laughs> shout out to that big red revival blog. Uh, the the last the last blog post was the transfer portal. So yep. I have a lot of thoughts on this. Um, first off and foremost, it just it just doesn't seem like there's any real structure around how, if, when players can transfer. Right. Um, you know, typically, if you transfer schools, you have to sit out one season, two mm-hmm. seasons of your transfer in, in conference, right. of course, and. And then unless you're transferring as a graduate transfer, you're, I mean, then you can be immediately eligible, but you have to, otherwise you have to sit out at least one or two years. Right. Common knowledge, right? So um, now we're seeing players getting waivers and being deemed (laughs) eligible, immediately eligible based on just circumstances that don't really, they don't remain consistent. Right. They're just throwing a dart at the wall and seeing. I mean, you look at Derek King from Houston to Miami this this past uh, cycle. It's like, he sat himself down after four se- uh, four games and said, oh, I'm going to sit this one out. I'll be back next year. Your and then- starting quarterback, your starting quarterback yep. took himself out and said, I'm good. I'm going to be back next year. And no one <laughs> no one in their right mind believed this. No and, one and then he did what everyone thought he would do. I thought he would be- end up at Oklahoma, to be honest. Yeah. But he ended up at Miami. And Tate Martell, again, has to take the back seat. <laughs> exactly. That sucks for him. But then you got Justin Fields, who went from Georgia to Ohio State, didn't beat Jake, Jake Fromm out, and uh-huh. took his ball and went home. Yep. But then on the other side of things, a kid wanting to transfer back to his home state to be closer to a terminally ill, sick relative doesn't get immediate eligibility. Right. I mean, if that's not a reason to transfer, I don't know what is. Yeah. But if you don't earn your immediate play, playing time, then, oh, yeah, well, you're a five-star athlete, so we'll, we'll just give you a, a eligibility. It right. just It doesn't make sense, and it's gotten out of control, and it really seems like these players have just started to find a, different loopholes yeah. in the whole process. and. And it's it's become college football free agency. Right. But at the same time, it's not just it's not a problem just in Nebraska. It's a problem everywhere. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, just to, I mean, yeah. I think uh, Stanford Stanford's had about 23 dudes enter the transfer portal. UConn's really bad, too. And Maryland's got 20 currently. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're all, you know, just the JD News obviously hits you. You're like, oh, God, it's transferring things. But it's like no one that has transferred so far is anybody that was going to contribute this next year. Well, uh, you're exactly right, and, and what I'm what I'm saying is I think that Nebraska is going to see an extra little uptick in transfers because yeah. of so many walk-ons joining the team. Right, they're going to come in here and say, "Well, God, I'm 
I'm like 16th on the depth chart <laughs> because there's 175 players here. Yeah. I'm out of here. Yeah. I mean, there's not, you know, basically uh, having a walk on uh, enter the transfer portal is the equivalent of real life having a volunteer at work quit. It's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, okay, motherfucker. Like, you know, it's a walk on transferring. Like, who, thanks. I yeah, guess. Okay. <laughs> see you later. I mean, do I need to sign something for you? Or, you know, it's like, it's honestly like having a volunteer at work quit. It's like, okay, man. And, you know, you can't get unemployment for this, right? <laughs> right. Like, exactly. So, whatever. But it's it's not a Nebraska problem to transfer in. Yep. It's, it's a college football problem. And, you know, they're going to have to, it's not going to be, they're not going to figure it out on try one. I'll just say, say that. So, this uh, implied rule of where they're going to give him one transfer, you know. One, uh, yeah, one free transfer. One they, free transfer. They vote on it next month. They get one free transfer. And they don't have to sit out, no, uh, you know, no penalty, basically. Right. And if they're going to kind of tighten things up on the back end after that one extra transfer, then fine. I'm all for it. Yeah. Just just make it clear cut rules. So there's not just different cases where some people are deemed eligible right away and some aren't. Make it black and white. Yeah, exactly. I yep. mean, how hard is that? But the NCAA just doesn't operate no, that way. No, they're, you know, they've, they've obviously been fumbling the ball for years. So yep. can't get their shit right. Nope. So, you know, with the, uh, the onus on JD leaving, um, it's your, your top returning production offensive player um, outside of obviously quarterback. Who's who's Nebraska's most indispensable player? Um, you know, I'm not talking maybe in regards of oh are they transferring out, but as far as injury, you know, um, who's who's Nebraska offense or defense uh, most indispensable player that we cannot afford to lose outside of quarterback? Obviously, quarterback's your top position, mm-hmm. so that's number one. But two AM's exempt. Yeah, two AM McCaffrey, Vertle, <laughs> fucking Bedrill, yeah. excuse me. Um, I mean, I would argue that one of them could go down because it's a deep room. But yep. who, who, who are you looking at that needs 100% to stay healthy and be fucking healthy on the roster day one come Purdue? For me, I have one on offense and defense, and yep. it's for the same reason because of versatility, and it's Wandale Robinson and Cam Taylor-Britt. Okay. Yeah. Um, they they both just do too much. I mean, Cam, Cam Taylor-Britt can play all over the field and do it at a high level, and, right. and we've seen what Wandale can do in, in just his – First year. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people are forgetting how good Wandell was in those what first seven games um, before he was, uh, you know, had to yeah. go full time running back and run between the tackles. Exactly, and you know, <laughs> Foss ran him thirty eight times between the tackles. Uh, <laughs> but it, you know, you forget how dynamic it was. I mean, if you just see him back at wide receiver and that duck R, and maybe two or three times at running back. Um, I mean, the guy's absolutely electric, and I think that him not what he didn't play the last four games, I think, three, four games, whatever it was. It the just, end of the season was a blur for exactly, me. <laughs> exactly, and it's like it, it's like I remember back to when J- or, uh, Wandell was ha- breaking out, and I was like, oh, this guy is fucking elite. Illinois, Illinois game. Yeah. yeah, so it's, you know, I think a lot of people are forgetting how good he actually mm-hmm. was. Like, he was on his way to be a first-team All-American freshman, you know, and uh, probably freshman of the year in the Big Ten for sure. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, those are, you know, Cam Taylor-Britt, you know, obviously provides some stability there in the secondary. Um, for me, uh, do you have anything else to add on those guys? Sorry. No, that's it. There. I, mean, I, I you know, that kind of just speaks for themselves, their, their performance. Yeah. So no. um, for me, I had two guys, both of them on offense. Um, Cam Jurgens mm-hmm. um, is is number one. You like him a lot now. I I, I'm, I bought all the stock. You know, <laughs> I, I emptied the 401k and bought all uh, Cam Jurgens stock. Um, one, just because obviously you're a quarterback, you know, the relationship between a quarterback and a center is vital. And I think that 
I, I just saw so much, so much growth from him from, you, you know, you got to remember this guy came in as a tight end and, you know, had to pack on 50 pounds and move to center. And it was absolutely horrendous to start with. Let's, let's make no bones about it. It was terrible to start with. But by the end of the year, I thought the guy was very good. I think that we can expect nothing else but growth, but just that relationship between your yeah, I mean, the, your center, he's calling out your protections. He's your eyes on the line for your quarterback. So I think that he's vital. Not to mention, I don't know, what was for, Far, Farniak, the backup, one of the Farniaks is the backup. I think, Will Will. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I think that he is number one. Uh, number one A is Mills. Mm. Because um, if uh, Diedrich Mills goes down, um, people think that uh, wide receiver room is thin. Uh, the running back room is even thinner because um, – I mean, who who's coming in behind him? I mean, Ramir Johnson probably. Okay, but, well, I'll tell you, Ramir yeah. Johnson is if I, I don't know that it's necessarily that thin. It it's young. Ramir Johnson, I saw nothing out of him to tell me that he's going to be a good football player. Yeah, I mean, he he had some good runs against the worst Maryland college football team. Yeah, the, but it's like he had some good runs. I I didn't I didn't think he did. Yeah, uh, he averaged three point six yards to carry that game. So his breakout game. Three point six yards of carry. Stats for that. That was good. I, I just I just <laughs> knew it's like yeah. I had to go back and look at him a couple weeks ago, but I remember. So it was like oh, so his breakout game. He averaged three point six yards. I didn't see any. I didn't see any uh, him breaking tackles or making guys miss. I just I don't think the guy's a football player. I think he's a track dude that plays football. Yeah. Um, I don't. If we see him getting twenty yard, twenty carries a game, uh, we're fucked. Yeah. Okay. Um, so then there's Ronald Tompkins, which I'm very high on. But I think he's also going to be a guy that never plays football because of injuries, mm. which sucks because I remember watch, – I watched him when he tore his ACL. He played for yeah, Grayson, I, uh, you know, the top high, football high school down there in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was watching the game. It was on ESPNU uh, when he tore his ACL. Game one of the season, the ESPN kickoff game, and he tore his ACL. But in the 10 carries he had before, I was like, oh, Oh yeah. shit! This this guy is so. And then last year, obviously, he got hurt again before even playing. So it's I don't think that's a guy that we can, can count on. And then I mean, behind that, I guess I mean you know we got Brody Belt. So oh, he's still around. Yeah. Oh, so wow. it's like oh, so Diedrich Mills goes down. Uh, we're fucked. Okay. So there's there. At least he's a tough guy though. And you know people are uh, hanging, hang, putting a lot of stock on uh, Savion Morrison. Yeah. Not seeing it either. You're not. That's uh, I. I would tell you who's it, uh, Marvin Scott. Yeah, no, I because I, I think he's. That a, dude is a I think he's ball. a. He. I think he's a. Uh, a Diedrich Mills. Yeah, he's I a man. bowling ball. He, exactly. So I think Diedrich Mills and Marvin Scott are going to be our running backs, and then supplemented with one of the the other guys. You know the you know maybe Ramirez on third downs or Ronald Tompkins if he ever gets healthy or Savion Morrison if he is. I mean he's the all time leading rusher in Oklahoma. So that says on something. the surface. Sevian Morrison Morrison is kind of like a Moash. Yeah. Except probably not as much of a head case, but he still it seems like he's maybe a little yeah. bit of a head case. He's, he's not he's not a Big Ten running back. He's not your starting Big Ten running back so, under any circumstances. Fresno State, exactly. UNLV. He, he, yeah, he's exactly Oregon State something. <laughs> you know, it's he's so I think that Diedrich Mills, uh, one is gonna have a really good year. I'm I'm thinking that he's going to have a really good year. I mean, he had, what, 10 to 12 touchdowns last year? Something like that, yeah. yeah. I mean, he really came on the second half of the year. Yeah, too, after but... he realized that, uh, you know, he can't just, you know, he's not the in the uh, triple option. You just run straight down. Well, it helped, too, that the O-line was meshing a little bit more towards yeah. the end of the year, too. Absolutely. So, you know, center, running back, uh, especially running back, I mm-hmm. think that Diedrich Mills is uh, – 
going to be a high priority for us yep. next year. So, um, you know, it is what it is. We're looking forward to forward to it. We're looking forward to spring ball starting, um, you know, but also in the time we had off, uh, we had the combine, the NFL combine and uh, Nebraska had, had a uh, four, four guys make the combine this year, three defense, uh, defense linemen and uh, Lamar Jackson. And obviously we all knew that the Davis twins were going to test well. I mean, we all know that those guys are athletic freaks. You see those big motherfuckers doing backflips in the sand. So <laughs> it's like I, I had a hunch that they were going to probably test well. And, uh, and they did exactly that. I mean, the Davis twins put up the, uh, um, I believe it's Khalil Davis put up the highest 40-yard dash. Four, of, seven, five, yeah, of any any person weighing over 300 pounds in the last 15 years. Yeah. And then um, 32 bench reps, too. Yeah. And um, and then Darian Daniels. He, he uh, did not test well. He did not test well. Um he tested well as far as measurements. And he as, did every test too. Yeah. A lot of the guys were a little more selective on, on which tests they were right. participating in. He just not, he checked all the boxes and yeah. it's like, dude, you're not helping yourself out anymore. <laughs> yeah. So um, like his size and he had a really long um, uh, wingspan or whatever, which obviously is good, you know, to obviously be able to get guys off. He had created a little space. Um, so our three defensive linemen, they, they uh, showed out well. Uh, Lamar Jackson, um, which I I guess I went into it thinking that he was probably going to be our highest drafted player, you know, fourth round maybe, somewhere's in there. Um, measurements were there, obviously. I think he was the tallest. Yeah, so Lamar Jackson, was, I believe he measured out as the uh, tallest corner, 6'2 and a quarter, 6'2 and 7, 8, whatever the fuck the measurements were. Um, long reach. Uh, 40 was a little, a little slow. I think he was a five, four, or, five, eight. Yeah. Four, five, what the fuck <laughs> yeah. Four, five, eight. So not, not ideal speed, but uh, 10 bed trips though. That's the worst out of it. You know, it's like, well, can you blame it on long arms or whatever? No, he, he's just not that strong. Um, so I think Lamar Jackson is going to be a good pro. He, Lamar Jackson is going to be good if he is your third cornerback. If he's your first cornerback, you're in some trouble, but if he's your third, you know, your nickel, nickel corner, dime corner, um, whatever. I think that he is, has a, has the potential to thrive in the NFL and be, you know, have a long sustained career, maybe like a Zach Bowman or something, um, you know, that had him a nice little long career in the NFL. So I think he's that type of guy. Um, what would you see from the guys where do you think they're going to be drafted or would you hear and maybe draft the potential of the four guys that went, um, I, from what I saw, it sounds like Lamar Jackson is still in a decent spot. Yeah. Um, I was saying three and fourth round. Right. Third and fourth round. Yeah. Um, but I, I did see one uh, prediction to uh, for him to the Cowboys. Yeah. And so I'm all in for that because, yep. I mean, I guess Randy Gregory was not not a good example here. But going back to last episode, uh, Malik Collins has fared very well in Dallas. So right. we're uh, we're all about that pipeline, Nebraska to Dallas. We'll take him. Um, but Khalil Davis, you can't say enough. I mean, the guy is huge, and he ran a four seven five and put up thirty two reps on the bench. That's that's insane numbers, right. and you know, and hopefully that's uh, that's a good sign for what Duvall's doing with with the guys um, on the back end. But yeah, I, I you know I saw a lot of people wanting to uh, you know credit Duvall, and obviously I think Zach Duvall does a good job, but I think. Those guys came in as athletic freaks, you yeah. know, like those I mean, guys are huge. Exactly. Those guys are huge run, jump, backflip and everything. It's uh-huh. like, yeah, let's, you know, let's try to tie it to the, you know, weight program. But no, those, those guys, those guys roll out of bed and are yeah. athletic freaks. Okay. So yeah. it's like it, you know, develop probably helped a little bit, but that's 98% uh, God given mm-hmm. ability. 
Um, I will say though that it was nice to see four of our guys, especially on the yeah. on the defense. I mean, I don't know how this happened, but four <laughs> guys on the defense that are representing Nebraska in the combine. It yeah, was a, good, was a good look for us. I guess with uh, the Davis twins testing so well and looking so well and being talked about so highly, did did it maybe leave you maybe wanting a little bit more from what we got out of them in their Nebraska career? I mean, the guys played a lot of the twins played a lot of football for us, and it just did it feel like maybe we should have got more out of them or maybe the, the, the measurements and all the timing and uh, all that maybe didn't add up to the amount of production that you would expected from those guys or what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I guess, you know, there's, there's more often than not a couple different types of football players out there. There's guys that test well and are just athletic freaks, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't translate to the field. Yeah. Um, And then there, there, there are guys that, you know, can't, can't lift a weight and do anything, but they're gamers and they yeah. go out there and they ball on people. And, right. and so what I, they I say, it looked like Tarzan play like James. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it might, it might just be a combination of that. I, I, I can't tell, I guess we'll, we'll wait and see it's, and see what their production is. Yeah, like. It's, it's not, it's not like the guys but, weren't productive here. I mean, they had very good careers, but it's like when you come out and look like um, elite guys, you know, you'd expect maybe uh, elite results. And it wasn't, they weren't elite results, but they were very good results. Was, those two guys played a lot of football for us and were very good for a, a number of years. So it just, um, you know, unfortunately, it just maybe ends up being one of those people that we feel like we should have got more out of here and mm-hmm. go on to have a better NFL career than uh, a, a college career. But, uh, you know, let's let's get to, you know, trying to wrap this episode up. Um, you know, obviously, we said a lot of things happened, but one of the uh, new things that's kind of happening in college football, we saw Oklahoma do this for um, for signing day. They made a, a branding recruiting, uh, a branding video, a self branding video for all of their incoming recruits. They made uh, logos for all of them and made these really cool videos. You ever get a chance to, you know, go on YouTube and check it out. It's a uh, pretty, pretty cool stuff. So. Um, you know, with all the talks of you know, maybe paying players here eventually or letting them make money, uh, becoming uh, being able to brand yourself and brand uh, the university and yourself uh, and make money off of it has become a big thing, which I think uh, we'll get into it in another episode. But I think Nebraska will fare very well if uh, we start allowing to pay players. Um, but uh, Nebraska has recently put out these new hype branding videos. Um, the first one that came out was the uh, Cam Taylor Britt. Um, which was fucking dynamite. Mm-hmm. I mean, what it got me uh, pumped up. It, lo- it was great. Um, and now they've been putting out uh, about one a week. So they had Cam Taylor Britt and then Adrian Martinez, uh, Boodle, and Hymas. Mm-hmm. And now are the four videos that came out. Zach, what's your take on the videos or the whole branding aspect of 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 the videos and what Nebraska is trying to do here? I mean, it's just it's the uh, the the era of college football that we live in, you know, yeah. you have to consistently put out content content to get your brand out there. Right. And, and that's what we're doing. Our media team is just on point. Yeah. Nebraska football may not be great, but we've got a, uh, <laughs> we've got a top 10, top five um, media, oh, I don't know, social media department, branding yeah. department, what, whatever department it is um, that puts out the videos um, and all the online content. Those guys are a one. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the videos just in general? They're, they're they're nice. They're short and they're sweet. Yeah. But, um, it's uh you know it's it's exciting. You know right. it makes you want to run through a wall and it, it gets it gets the you know current and hopefully future players pumped up about about what's happening here. And you know if we can if we can shine some light on some of our our star power that we have, it's always mm-hmm. a good thing. But yep. 
Unfortunately, I don't know that we're necessarily going to see one for JD. Um, <laughs> and he's got as many highlights as anybody on our roster. So yeah. it's, it's kind of unfortunate there. But I feel like there was one missed opportunity. I'm going to credit one of my coworkers, Mike, for this, um, you know, kind of take. But yeah. um, shout out, Mike, for the 2 a.m. Uh, video. Seems like we could have used like an, like an alarm clock in the dark with two o'clock in there. <laughs> That would have been kind of. I sweet. haven't heard you say that, but that's fucking yeah. That that's uh, that's kind like of a missed opportunity. Yep. Um, but at the same time, his the logo was good, and um, Hymas is. Um, I don't know why, but I was just watching it the other day, and the audio was like really good. You could just hear the pads popping. Yeah. And it just got me fired up to 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 welcome back football. Yeah. No, I I think the uh, the videos are great. Um, you know. Obviously, uh, unfortunately, who I am becoming, uh, you know, find a little bullshit with all of them. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, my wife tells me I'm, Cautious be- optimism. I- I'm becoming a cranky old man. She's <laughs> always like, what? Like my big pet peeve in my old age is people parking in my fucking driveway. You know, it's like the delivery guy parking my drive. I'm like, don't tip the motherfucker. You know, like <laughs> it's like, I don't know why. Get park- off my lawn. Yeah, I, yeah I, it's, it's a new age. Get off my lawn. I'm the, the don't park in my fucking driveway. Like. Um, and that's for everybody. It's like, you know, if, if I, if I didn't invite you over and even if I did don't park in my goddamn drive, cause there's no worse feeling than coming home and you can't pull into your garage because some motherfuckers in your driveway. I mean, just will put you in a bad mood right away. So noted. noted. <laughs> so just, I'm, that's, that's my thing. But, um, I thought the, the logos, the Cam Taylor Brett video was great. Adrian Martinez video is great. Um, the Boodle and the Highness one, it felt like it was forced. It was it was forced. It felt like it was the same video as Adrian Martinez because like the sounding was the same. You know the pads popping and crunching was the same. Uh, and then the logos. It's like I understand our color is red, but uh, I didn't think they needed one. They're using the wrong shade of red on the logos. It's fucking like a maroon. It's not scarlet. It's definitely not scarlet. And was it cream? Scarlet. Scarlet and cream. Yep. Yeah. So it it's like a maroon. So it just it felt like the last two videos were very close to Adrian Martinez video. So it's like the same sound effects or whatever. Um, so I thought I thought the last two videos could have been better. Um, but if they were just standalone videos, they just put them out. And they're great. But I thought they were very similar to Taylor Art Taylor. God, Adrian Martinez video. Um, Do you think they're just doing them for upperclassmen, or are we going to see one for Wandale? I, I we're probably going to see one for Wandale. Yeah, I mean, so it's like, the videos are great. I think the logos, you know, I think they could get better, better with. We don't just have to have them be uh, in this box, little box that we want to put mm-hmm. them in. Like, well, it has to have red in it. It's like, no, you have white and whatever. I don't know. Uh, and especially if you're going to use red, use fucking the actual right color red. Stop using maroon, yeah. you know? But like I said, that's just don't park in my driveway guy. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> it is what it is, but it's, it's the new day and age. Uh, it, it helps recruiting wise. Cause um, you know, it's showing the guys that, you know, we're, we can brand you here. You know, it's, you're a huge fish in a small, small pond here in Nebraska. And I think that when obviously this is going to transition to paying players, that I think that Nebraska is going to be, be a step able, ahead. Yeah. Going to be a step ahead of teams like USC, uh, Miami, all these teams that are in big markets, you know, it's like team people. I live, yeah, they don't care. I lived in Scottsdale, Arizona for five years. It's like Arizona is not a great football program by any stretch of imagination, but um, there, no one gives a shit. There's a, it's a big city. I mean, there's so many other things to do. So people aren't invested in college football like they hear here are in Nebraska. This is the only show in town. So, um, I think you're able to build a bigger brand, um, here in Nebraska. 
So I think that'll help us eventually down the road whenever they get that pass, which is probably going to be sooner than later. But that's it, Zach. I mean, um, you know, it, we're about to get into spring ball. Uh, you know, we're going to do probably, what, another episode in the next two weeks to talk a little spring football, a little position battles, all that type of stuff. Um, and then maybe touch on, you know, Bill Moose came out with his comments about, uh, you know, we may be a, another two years away in football and basketball, which, you know, when I initially saw it, I'll, I'll tell you that I, I thought it was a comment from when he fucking first hired these motherfuckers, but apparently it was from last week. So, which is absolutely depressing. I thought it was an old comment and that's, we'll get into that uh, in another episode, but uh, anything you uh, want to do or say to put a bow on this show? No, uh, it's been been a been a good episode and we're uh, definitely looking forward to spring ball and the additional hype that we're going to see right there's going to be a lot of pictures coming out from who's (laughs) who's got a brace on who's who's taking what snaps and all that but so i look forward to that because always it's going to be a ton of speculation and a lot of uh chatter you know amongst the the husker fans but Mm -hmm. um as always you know check us out on the socials uh check us out on twitter you should know that by now and uh we got a blog coming out about once a week that uh, we appreciate you reading and, you know, we uh, continually appreciate your support and we'll, uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah. And uh, one last shout out to our uh, first sponsor, Blue Pelican Pools uh, for all your pool needs. Uh, reach out to them. Appreciate you guys listening and uh, we'll see you guys next episode where we discuss spring ball. Go, Go Big, Big Red. Red. This is the Big Red Revival.